101.1 FM, The Way. Current events. Personal values. Political and social issues. Technology. Wars and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. The Jews are getting help in finding the elusive red heifer. Florida needs help in controlling one of the worst outbreaks in U.S. history. Hey, get ready to break out your face. It could pay you cash. And Amazon is getting ready to cash in on talking to the dead. These are just some of the signs of the times, our weekly review of Bible prophecy that we find in the world's news for Friday, July 1st, 2022. Now, we can't help you talk to the dead, but we can help you get Signs of the Times anytime through Apple, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google, or just download the Way Media app, or hit us up at thewaymedia.net, where you can get it right from the source, and it's the only place where you can read the articles we discuss, or ask Pastor Mark a prophecy question. And now, here to explain the inexplainable is Pastor Mark, who recently counseled a person that before you criticize someone, walk a mile in their shoes. It's good advice. That way, when you do criticize them, you're a mile away, and you have their shoes. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, but I mean, it depends on what kind of shoes. Would you really counsel that? I can't believe that. depends on what kind of shoes they... Oh, oh, see, if they were some Jordan kicks from back in the day. If they were Air Jesus. Air Jesus. (laughs) They were the ones that were made for the rapture. If they were that. Yeah, so you could walk on air? Yeah, just you go up. You just go up and keep going. Yes. You never come down to slam it. You just go. That's very good. And you keep going. I always like to challenge Pastor Mark because he's always got something that he can use as a comeback. <laughs> Not That's always. It. Oh, no. Not always. No. Sometimes I just go, it's a smilence yes. moment. It's a smilence moment, <laughs> but not today. <laughs> anyway, folks, thanks for joining us. Today is the Friday before the 4th of July. Yes. So we are going to... Talk a little bit about the 4th and our founding fathers, Yes, uh, which we do most July 4th or yeah. around July 4th every year here on Signs of the Times. So yeah. take it away, and let's hear what you've yeah. got to say uh, today, you know Pastor take. We're going to add some new stuff this year. If you've been with us the last few years on this, I mean, we kind of cover some of the main things, which I want to do again. But, you know, there's this real attempt by, I think, by Satan, really, to bring shame on us for being Americans and we have to remember, and I want to, I want to talk about the overall picture. I think a lot of times, especially the new generation, only looks at one issue. Somebody brings up slavery or they bring up some other issue where America is guilty of sin, but they don't give you the full picture. And so you walk away thinking, wow, what a horrible nation we have. But when you back away and put this in a personal context and the fullness of our nation, you begin to see the true blessing that God has given us with America and the fact that we need to honor our nation and honor God. And, and let me just give you one example. And that is remember, there seems to be this real attack on America, how horrible we are because we had slavery and all that. And I agree, slavery was horrible. It's a stain on any nation, any people, um, any generation, whenever. 
But what people forget is, is the context of what was going on. And they were going to get into the Founding Fathers a little bit about their view on slavery. You know, Greg, when I came to the Lord, um, my life really was marked with drugs and alcohol. And then God came and redeemed my life. And you could look at my life and only focus on the drugs and alcohol and say, Mark's a horrible person. He's always been a horrible person. He always will be a horrible person. And because of that, he needs to be canceled. He needs to be removed. There should be, we need to, we need to, to, to tear down and build back better. You know, we need to tear down and just do a reset with Mark. Get rid of him, start over. And, you know, in many ways, I would say, yes, you're right. We need to do that. You don't need Mark. We need the Lord. But I'm making a point. Yes, there's a lot of sin in my life that people could point at and say, you know, this and that. But God called me. God redeemed my life. God has done great things in and through my life. And so God sees value to my life by what he's done, not just the sins that have marked throughout my life at different times. And everybody listening to this broadcast, if you're going to be honest with yourself, believer or unbeliever listening, and I know we have unbelievers that listen, but believer or unbeliever that's listening, you know you're guilty of sin throughout your life. And if we were to focus on that sin and say, look, you're a horrible person all the time, you always were and you always will be because of that sin, you would say, whoa, 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 that's unfair. That You've got to look at my entire life to give the proper evaluation. That's what Satan is doing to America, Greg. He is picking out America's sins from their past and maybe even trying to find things, you know, current or whatever. And trying to make America seem like we're this horrible thing. We've always been horrible. We never should have existed. We need to be erased and redone. And let me say this. If you totally do away with America and build another nation, it's not going to be any better. Matter of fact, it'll be way worse. Um, even if it doesn't have slavery, there'll be other sins that it will take up, whether it be drugs, alcohol, prostitution, immorality, go down the line. So I'm not taking up for the sins of America. What I'm saying is, if you look at the overall picture of America, by the t- and by the time we're done talking about this the first half, you're going to see that God raised this nation up. God gave us godly founders, and yes, they had their sins that God dealt with, but this is undoubtedly and undisputedly the greatest nation that's ever existed on the planet. Um, and there's undoubted miracle after miracle about how America was established. Greg, just the fact that a ragtag army with almost no shoes and a few you know bullets for their muskets running through the woods defeated the the most powerful army in the world at that time that right there shows you it is the divine intervention of god george washington in one battle finding five different bullet holes in his clothing and not being hit one time mm. These are supernatural, undeniable, historical miracles. God was involved in the founding of this nation, and God has used America in great ways throughout its history, which made America a shining beacon to the world, which made America exceptional and extraordinary among the world. And we're no longer that. We've lost that. Matter of fact, we're now becoming the the, the shame of the nations. But... Because we've turned away from God. But to deny what God did in America, it's just, it's just wrong and you don't know your history. Now let me give another little background for you. Look, okay. when it comes to the, the history issue of slavery, we'll get to more details on that in a moment. You gotta okay. remember, people are like who they are because of the culture and the families they're raised in until they get old enough to figure it out and make a change. All of you listening right now, you were raised in a certain culture in your family, a certain culture in your nation, a certain culture in your group, a certain culture in your ethnic group. And you believed certain things. There may be some listening right now that were raised to believe that, you know, black people were bad. There may be white people listening that were, or black people listening right now that were raised to believe that white people were bad. And so you, it, and when you got older, you realize, wait a minute, that's not true. That we're judging people on the color of their skin rather than the character of who they are. So, and, and you changed. And so right now, yeah, I'm not that person anymore. Well, do you want me to judge you forever based on that? Uh, our founding fathers, they were raised with slavery being a normal part of their culture. I mean, when they came from Britain, everybody had slaves. It was a normal thing. Did that make it right? Absolutely not. 
But that's all they knew. And as they began to figure out, wait a minute. And they came to America. Sure, they had slaves. Sure, slaves were bought over. Sure, that happened. But they began to go, wait a minute, this is wrong. What are we doing? Just because our, fa- our fathers did it, and just because it was our culture doesn't mean it's right. It takes sometimes years for people to change, Greg, and to be reprogrammed by, by even the intervention of God. Let me give you one quick example. And that was our founding fathers. But let me give you one quick example from Scripture. Peter, he literally walked with God and, and was personally tutored by God in human form, you couldn't have a better personal tutor for somewhere most scholars believe around three and a half years. And by the end of that three and a half years, he still believed Gentiles were so bad he couldn't go to them. He couldn't go to a Gentile. They would make him unclean. Now that's after three and a half years living with literally God, Jesus Christ in human form. Okay. Because that's what his culture taught him. That was his background. It was so bad. That God said, look, I've got to break Peter free from this cultural bias in his mind. It didn't work. Me as, a, as, as God in human form for three and a half years, so I've got to give him a vision now. And you read in Acts that God literally gave came to Peter in a vision after living three and a half years with him and said, Peter, it's okay. Go to Gentiles. And I guess Peter wasn't making the connection between he and God in human form. So God had showed it to him in a heavenly vision, a heavenly form. And so finally Peter broke free. And Peter would be, if you will, a founding father of the church who started out being um, um, biased and 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 I don't know what, what words you would use. I don't know if you could say racially against Gentiles because they were a different, if you use the world's terminology uh, of being a Gentile, non, a non-Jew, he wouldn't even go to them. He wouldn't interact with them. And God, by by that, it took that to break Peter free and Peter was out. Now, if it took a disciple of God that long to be free, then we need to give some slack to our founding fathers who did eventually come to this realization and who did set the slaves free and who did repent of it. Yeah. And and again, so I want to talk, first of all, I want to give just a few basic things about our founding fathers and because people are saying, were they really Christians? I want to give a few quotes here. Then I want to spend some time, Greg, probably the remainder of the time, talking about some of the slavery issues. And you've got a date we're going to bring in here in just a moment as well. But listen just to some of the quotes. If you doubt were our founding fathers godly, President Andrew Jackson said, the Bible is the rock on which our republic stands. Inscription on the Liberty Bell, still there today. Leviticus 25.10, proclaim liberty throughout the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. How did America get its three branches of government? According to our founding fathers in their writings, we got it from Isaiah 33.22, where it says, uh, and I quote, for the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, and the Lord is our king. He will save us. So they said, all right, if it's good enough for God, it's good enough for us. We're going to have a judge, lawgiver, and king ourselves. Our judge will be the Supreme Court. Our lawgivers will be the uh, Congress and Senate, and our king will be the president. Thomas Jefferson said, can the liberties of a nation be secure when we have removed a conviction that these liberties are a gift from God or the gift of God? They're not uh, and they're not to be violated except with his wrath. You know, God's going to judge us. I think that's what's happening now. In the U.S. Capitol Rotunda, there's a picture of pilgrims arriving uh, where it says the embarkation of the pilgrims kneeling in prayer and committing their endeavors to God. Uh, at the First Assembly in, in 1639, they declared the Bible as the legal and moral foundation of the colony of America. Founding Father John Adams said, We have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions, that is sin, that's un, that, that will be held back or unbridled by morality and religion. In other words, only morality and religion will hold back human sin. He goes on, Avarice, ambition, revenge, or gallantry would break the strongest cords of our Constitution. Just like a whale going through a net if we don't have morality and religion. 
Our Constitution was made, and I quote, again, this is all a quote, only for a moral and religious people. It is completely inadequate to the government of any other. In other words, if we don't stay with the Word of God in prayer and the Bible like we founded it, our nation will fall apart, even with our Constitution. We are watching that happen right now today. Our nation is falling apart because we've turned from God. Abraham Lincoln, he said, America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we falter or lose our freedoms, it will be because uh, we destroyed ourselves. George Washington, any nation who turns away from the rules and order and of right which heaven itself has ordained cannot expect divine protection and blessing. As you walk in the U.S. Supreme Court, there's a row of the world's lawgivers there, each one facing sideways toward the middle, facing Moses holding the Ten Commandments, showing that's the supremacy that America founded its guidance on. As you enter the Supreme Court, there are two huge oak doors with the engraving on each door, and they're the Ten Commandments. Isn't that amazing? On the doors of the Supreme Court are the Ten Commandments, yet you can't put them at courts in America. Once seated inside, you look at the wall above where the justices sit, and there's again, guess what? The Ten Commandments. James Madison, Dolly Madison's dad. I use that joke every year. You're probably tired of it if you've been listening. Anyway, <laughs> not really Dolly Madison's dad. Um, if people know what a Twinkie is. Well, yeah. Yeah, well, anyway, okay, James Madison. Madison yes, let me get yeah. back. Let me get back. Yeah. James Madison, who was called the father of our Constitution, said, and I quote, We have staked the whole of all of our political institutions upon the capacity of mankind for self-government, upon the capacity of each and all to govern ourselves, to control ourselves, to sustain ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. Founding Father Patrick Henry said, It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists or religious people, but by Christians. And there's a big difference in religious people and true Christians. It says he went on to say, not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many people are afraid to say Jesus Christ today in our government? And you say, God, fine, but Jesus Christ is a big problem. 52 of the 56 founders and signers of the Constitution were members of their established churches. One of Thomas Jefferson's stated fears was that, was that the courts in the democracy might overstep their bounds one day and begin to legislate law rather than simply determining it. We've seen that happen. Uh, Justice Supreme Court John Jay said this, Americans should should select and prefer Christians as their rulers. So he was saying, if you're going to get Supreme Court, they need to prove they're a Christian first. And this last one, which, by the way, I want to talk about this for a second because it comes under attack. 26 of the 29 signers of the Declaration of Independence had the equivalent of a seminary degree. Now, it's amazing. People They didn't have a seminary degree. They didn't have a Bible degree. There weren't even seminaries in Bible college. Okay. You can make that argument. The point was not whether there were seminaries or Bible college at, as at the moment the Declaration of Independence was signed. They're missing the whole point. They had the equivalent of a seminary degree by their studies in the Bible and their seeking of God, and they could prove it by their studies and their records. I have a seminary degree, but I've never been to seminary. So I'm, a, I'm, I'm an example. I'm going to use that. I don't say that very often. It's no big deal because I hadn't been to seminary or Bible college. But I do have a seminary or a Bible college degree. How did I get that? Because I took all the years of ministry and all my notes, all my travels, all my you know trips to Israel, all the things I've done, I compiled them all together, submitted them to a Bible college, and the Bible college said, you have way more training than we could have ever given you, and they granted me a Bible degree. So I have a Bible degree in... Uh, based on equivalency. Yeah, in theology, yeah. based on equivalency. So yeah. here's the point. I have, I, I, I have a seminary or a Bible degree, but I've never been to Bible college, and I've never been to a seminary. So these guys had the exact same thing, and they could prove it by their work. And that was the point that those who note this out was saying. But you have these groups, and Greg, of all things, the Gospel Coalition. Watch these guys. They're very liberal. I don't believe that. They're not 
they're not really in line with Scripture. I'm just going to say that openly and boldly on the air. So be careful of these of these guys and the materials they put out. But they make a big point to attack and prove that we're going to prove they really weren't, uh, they didn't have seminary degrees. I'm like, why are you fighting against God and the Word of God and the gospel and the founding of our nation when they had the equivalent of a seminary degree in Bible college just to make some point? It's almost like the person, I had some guy come to me one day and say, you know, it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that the lion shall lay down with the lamb. He's right. That's nowhere in the Bible. You will not find it. What it says is the lion and the lamb will feed together in the field, right? Well, the logical conclusion is what? (laughs) At some point, they're going to lie down, which means they're going to lie down together. So people quote that, which is, I believe, a true statement, but it's not like in the Bible. It's almost like cleanliness is next to godliness. That's not in the Bible. Yeah, there's all sorts of things like that. But if you you follow God, you're probably going to take a shower. God helps those who help themselves. That's not in the Bible. Now, here's my point. All he wanted to do was win some argument. He wanted to show how he was smarter than everybody else. And look for it. You'll find that's nowhere in the Bible. And that shows that I'm the scholar and I'm smart and you're dumb. That He didn't say that, but that's what he's saying. These guys, the Gospel Coalition and people like that, all they're saying is, we're just showing that we're really the ones that are the intellectuals. We're, no, you're not. You're showing you're fighting against God in your ignorance when these guys had the equivalent of a seminary or Bible degrees. And you're trying to take away from the founding fathers being godly for our nation. That kind of stuff just... I know. Bothers me, as you can tell. Yes. Um, but anyway, I wanted to read those, and I took the time, you know, to do that. I know that was a little bit more yeah. time, Greg, but I want to take some time, and I'll kind of let you kick us off on something you share with me at the beginning of the broadcast about our founding fathers. We talked about Peter being set free in his views on Gentiles, yeah. and that doesn't negate Peter's life. No. He's got his sins, but Peter was still a godly man, even as we have our sins as America, but we're still, we still have been a yeah. godly nation. So what did you share with well, me? Well, we know that slavery was a culturally ingrained thing that was brought over to America from England. Right. Uh, But most people focus on the end of slavery uh, because of the Civil War. And yes, that that once and for all, you know, killed it, so to speak. Yeah, by war. Uh, By war. It took that. By war. But what most people either forget or don't know is that our Congress... Now, we know that we're celebrating July 4th, 1776, right. uh, this uh, coming Monday. Some 30-odd years later, March 2nd of 1807, Congress passed a law abolishing the slave trade. How about that? The northern states also did that, and some southern states tried to go in on that as right, well. Right, right. Um, so it from 1807, it took until 1861 for the Civil War to begin. Right. So that ran from 61 to 65. Yeah. So, you know, but people, and, and as a matter of fact, at the same time, I think around 1807 or 1808, Great Britain at the time also passed a law very similar to the law that was passed here that abolished the slave trade. Yeah. Now, I can hear people out there saying, yeah, but they, it was 1776 when they signed it. So we were we were racist well, and, and slave owners for all that time. Well, in, it was culturally ingrained, and it took some 30 years for them to wake up this, to the fact that this is wrong. This is why I gave the example of Peter yeah, exactly. walking with God and then for having three to get and a half vision. Years and then I mean, he, yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and you can say, well, that was only three and a half years and then the vision. But he, got, he walked with God and got yeah. a vision. These were just yeah. men trying yeah. to figure it out. And they realized, I don't feel right about this. Something is wrong. Yeah. Greg, here's some quotes from from uh, did you have something else you want to add well real quick? no I, I just wanted to add this really quickly I, I think because the reason why it took so long and it took so long for them to understand what god's word is really saying about the value of human life is is because we ignorantly 
refer to different ethnicities within the human race as races. Yes. And when you do that, you are naturally going to say that one is better than the other, but we're all the same race. But That's if, right. The if, human if you, race. Exactly. And so we're all on the same playing field. We're just different ethnicities. But because uh, black people at the time were viewed as less than human. Right. Because of that's how and also people because of, were taught because of evolution and because evolution yeah, and because taught Darwin taught that black Darwin, people were less than white yes. people because we were more evolved. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. Anyway, go ahead. All of that, all of that played into a cultural belief. Yeah, that it was okay to own another human being, although they didn't look at them as a human being. They looked at them as less. Than human That's because right. they looked at them as a different race. That's right. So we have got to get back to the foundation of how God created yeah. us, and He created all of us equally as. People. And see, Greg, that's why the founding fathers were set free, broke free, and abolished it. They even said in our declaration, yes. we, we hold these truths evident. All men are created yeah. equal. Yeah. Notice what they said. Yeah. Everybody's saying, no, they're lesser because yeah. of evolution and the Dar- Darwinian theory. He was saying, no, the, we don't agree with the yeah. Darwinian theory. We believe that all men are created yeah. equal. And that's it's, it's from our founding documents. And so you've got a lot of people in the southern states, in, especially in the south, because that was very labor-intensive down there for field work and all, things like the that. Plantations and all that. All yes. of that. Yes. That, that was going to impact them economically. So that's there was right. lots of issues that went on with that. And it... it it just didn't happen overnight. Yeah, and please understand, we're not justifying slavery. No. We're simply saying you these are just t- the facts. You of need what to happened. look at everything as a whole to realize where we were, why we were there, and the and the fact they repented, and now we've turned as a nation, and we we made it right. Yeah. You know, Greg, that was the point. The effort the effort to get rid of slavery was made a long time before the Civil War. Yes, it just you're fighting against some really ingrained ignorances about. How God created us, and we're black, white, it doesn't, it, we're all shades of the same brown. Yeah. It, we're yeah. human beings. You know, Greg, it's the same thing. If you shut off, if you shut off the water supply 200 miles up the stream, it takes a while till you notice it 200 miles down the stream. That's a good point. It's already mm-hmm. been done, but it takes a while to get there. Look, John Jay said this. These are all founding father quotes. Listen to what he said. It goes right in line with our conversation. And I quote, prior to the Great Revolution, the great majority of our people, notice that, the great majority had been so long accustomed to the practice and convenience of having slaves that very few among them even doubted the, the uh, propriety or rectitude of it. In other words, it was so normal, nobody even thought, hey, could, um, could this be wrong? Now, to us today, we go, oh, my goodness, how could you not know what's wrong? you got to remember, if that's all you knew your entire life, at some point you would go, well, wait a minute, maybe, maybe this isn't right. It takes a while for that to sink in. Uh, a founding father, actually, Henry Lawrence, who was the president of the Congress, said this, I abhor slavery. I was born in a country, Britain, where slavery has been established by British kings and parliaments, as well as by the laws of the country in ages before my existence. In former days, there was no combating the prejudices of men supporting, supported by interest. The day, I hope, is approaching when from principles of gratitude as well as justice, every man will strive to be the foremost in showing his readiness to comply with the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Um, Thomas Jefferson said, King George III has waged cruel war against human nature itself, violating its most sacred rights of life and liberty in the persons of a distant people who never offended him. 
captivating them, carrying them into slavery in another hemisphere or into incur miserable death in their transportation thereof. Mm, Determined to keep open a market where men should be brought and sold, he's prostituted his negative for suppressing every legislative attempt to prohibit or to restrain this uh, execrable commerce. Uh, That is, he has opposed the efforts to prohibit the slave trade. I want to read just a couple more. Benjamin Franklin, a disposition to abolish slavery prevails in North America. He said, we want to get rid of it. That many Pennsylvanians have set their slaves free already. And that even the Virginia Assembly has petitioned the king for permission to make a law for preventing the importation of more into into that colony. To stop bringing them in, in other words. The request, however, will probably not be granted as the former laws of that kind have always been repealed. Again, remember, George Washington got around this. What they're saying is Mm -hmm. King George passed a law and said, you cannot set your slaves free in America or you're at war with us. Exactly. And we hadn't fought them yet. So he said, now, you can leave it as an inheritance. So when he died, George Washington said, all my slaves are free. He set them free. Um Again, there's so many quotes here. Yeah. If you go to Wall Builders and look under uh, the article about slaves, uh, I, just a couple more real quick. Again, uh, John Adams, signer of the Declaration of the Independence, said, "But to I, but to the eye of reason, who can be more clear than all men have been equal, on equal right to happiness? Nature made no other distinction than that of higher or lower degrees of power of mind and body." Were the talents and virtues which heaven has bestowed on men given merely to make them more obedient drudges? No. In the judgment of heaven, there's no other superiority among men than the superiority of wisdom and virtue. Again, Charles Carroll, another signer of the Declaration, why keep alive the question of slavery? It is admitted by all to be a great evil. And I could read one. I've got rows and rows and rows of our signers and our founding fathers saying, we hate it. We don't like it. We need to get rid of it. And people can point and say, yeah, but they used to. They didn't used to say that. Well, come on. They grew out of their sin and God opened their eyes and they moved forward. And what's destroying our nation right now in this area is that we're not seeing that we as a nation have fought this evil. We've repented of this evil. We've turned from this evil. We've made illegal this evil. And for those who are saying, yeah, but there's still people out there that are racist. Look, there will always be sinners. There will always be people that murder, that rape, that steal, that hate other people. You are not going to do away with those people in total until Jesus Christ comes back and rules and reigns. What you've got to look at is what is the heart of the nation and what is the majority of the nation doing? And I believe we have done, I've seen God do an amazing thing in our nation to bring around equality and the opportunity for everybody to go out and be successful in America. And again, in the church, I'll just kind of cap it with this because we're about out of time for this segment. And I know we're going to just kind of keep it going, but either way, I don't want to spend more than the first half on it. Um, This should never, ever be something that, you know, ever allowed in the church. If you're a true believer, the Bible says you love all people. As a matter of fact, it, t- it says in First John, if you hate your brother, you don't know God. And I would challenge if there's anyone and they claim to be a Christian and you have something against black people or white people or Mexican people or Asian people or whatever people, I want to challenge you right now. It's one or two things. Either you're backslidden or living in the flesh, and both of those kind of go hand in hand, or you've never truly met Christ. Yeah. Because God said, once you give your life to the Lord, you love all people. And color is never yeah. brought up. It's never an issue. Paul never said, hey, make sure that you, you know, never anything about color. It's just love yeah. mankind, the human race. People that keep drudging up the past like that, Pastor Mark, uh, 
without the blood of Jesus Christ covering them, uh, God is going to turn around and do the same to them on Judgment Day. Yeah. And he's going to drudge up their past as they are. And God's going to deal with them with the same lack of mercy. Yeah. And swift judgment that these people are crying for. Yeah. For something that's been taken care of. Yeah. But yet, because it even happened at all, you know, they're expecting perfection in something that they don't even have themselves. Yeah. So it's going to be. It's a sad. It's going to be a sad, eye-opening day for those people. It is. It is. But I, and again, I, uh, you know, I, I for my second last closing. <laughs> you know, when I first got saved, Greg, God put me right in the middle of a beautiful Hispanic community. Yes, He did, and I didn't even know it. Let me listen. Let me tell you how, how wonderful the church community was. I did not even know that I was a minority. When I got saved, God sent me to. I was in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Got thrown to the church there. It was probably ninety percent. Maybe more Hispanic, maybe ninety five percent Hispanic, and I mean strongly Hispanic. I'm culturally, accent wise, everything. There was not one time people made reference to my color because I wasn't the same color they were. They had a darker skin than I did, or my background, or my uh, where I came from. They loved me. They took me in. They showed me God's love. It didn't even occur to me till years down the road. When somebody brought it up, said, do you realize that you're a minority in here? Because there's so much about those issues. And I said, what? Yeah, you, you look around. You're surrounded. All your friends, all your family and God, they are all Hispanic community. And I realized this is how the body of Christ is supposed to function. Mm-hmm. Where when you go to a church, you don't even know what people's color are. That doesn't matter. Right. What matters is their heart, their character, and, and loving them the way that Jesus Christ loved them. Jesus never judged anyone by their color or their background. He said, all who come to me, I will in no way cast out. And by me saying that, I'm not discounting the struggles of the black community. Some would accuse and say, well, you're not recognizing the struggles that we've had. Let me tell you something. Your struggles have been way worse than mine, and I know that. I never came from a background of slavery. My founding, my forefathers were not slaves. I'm not pretending to be able to associate, so don't misunderstand me. But my goal is not to say that I can associate. My goal is to say that in Christ, all men are equal, and we're to love one another equal, and we're to leave all the past behind and press on to the upward call in Christ Jesus. And amen. To amen, your second amen closing. and amen. Yes. You are listening to Signs of the Times on WIAM LP Knoxville. It's our weekly look at Bible prophecy in the world's news. This is episode 222. For those that will be enjoying this later, if you're listening live or online right now, it's now time to get into articles. All right, uh, let's go to Israel, Pastor Mark. Uh, Israel's365news.com. Uh, Christians are helping Jews search for the red heifer to reinstate temple service. Yes. Um, you know, again, this is very interesting what's going on here, Greg, because they've been trying to find the red heifer for some time um, because of, again, without the red heifer, a little bit of background. If you don't have the red heifer, then you can't do the sacrifices in the temple. Uh, the Bible says this, and you need this background. They would take a perfect red heifer. It couldn't have any more than, I think, two white hairs on it anywhere and, and et cetera. Had, they could consider that blemishless. And they would, they would sacrifice it. They would burn it. And then you would take the ashes, keep them there at the temple. And they take a little bit of the ashes out of a jar and put them in the water of the priest each day, just a tiny amount. So it lasts literally for hundreds and hundreds, you know, if not a thousand years. I mean, just, it lasts because tiny little ashes. 
and it, it Levitically purified the water because it was a sacrifice of a pure heifer unto God, then the priest would wash with that purified water, and then they could carry out their priestly duties. Now, uh, so now they're wanting to rebuild the third temple. In order to be able to do the priestly duties, guess what you have to have? You've got to have a red heifer. So they've been looking and can't find one in Israel. And now around the world, people have been looking to help them. And that's where it gets us to the red heifer program that's been working with in Texas, where they have a lot of cattle. Notice it says the Temple Institute launched its red heifer program about a decade ago. But even in the temple times, an animal that fulfilled the biblical requirements was exceedingly rare. Failing to produce a suitable candidate from ranchers in Israel, the Temple Institute began investigating alternative sources. And that's where they found Bonet Israel, based in Texas, uh, an organization that connects Christian lovers, a Christian, Christians who love Israel, to the Holy Land. Uh, Shatan Kapitetsky, an Orthodox Jewish resident in Efrat, is a liaison between... Um, Bonet Israel and the Rabbi's uh, Temple Institute, and he says this, the Jews don't need to be pure to build the temple or to bring the public sacrifices. On the other hand, purity, we don't have to have the ashes, which they really do. On the other hand, purity will take it to the next level. Um, so he's saying, we don't even need the red heifer to do this. No, you do if you're going to follow God's word, but they're already making excuses in case they can't find it. Well, we can still do it. He pointed out that last year was the year 5781 on the Hebrew calendar, which is the year of the red heifer, which I didn't realize in their numerology. And so they believe they found some cows that were born last year that they say may end up being the red heifer. And we're waiting to see as those cows mature, Greg, if they'll still be able, because as they grow, they can change and they go to a certain age and they're pure. But one quick note on this. So again, the point is getting ready for the third temple. And that's the part of signs of the times. But one quick note on this before we move on. uh, And that is, On one of our tours, uh, stopping at the Qumran Caves uh, down in the Dead Sea area, our tour guide said, I have something to tell you guys that is not in the regular news, and they won't put it in the regular news because it would make, you know, could be potential for war or make the Arab communities around us angry and everybody who hates Israel on the Temple Mount. He said, but it wasn't just the scrolls we found in the caves. He said, we found a jar full of ashes. And he said, we realized when we found a jar full of ashes from 2,000 years ago, there would be no reason to run and preserve ashes from Rome and hide them other than the ashes of the red heifer. Mm. And he said, kind of with a smile, these ashes have been sent away for DNA analysis. And then he paused. And, of course, I'm on top of that. And we're going, mm-hmm. so what was the analysis? Yeah. He's like, well, let's just say they're not really announcing that yet. I believe they have the ashes from the days of Christ in a jar, in Jerusalem, and what greater amazing magnitude of introducing the third temple to saying, not only do we not need this Texas red heifer, which, no offense to you guys, I'm glad you're doing it, but we have now the ashes to reveal to you guys. Now, they may not use them because of antiquity. They may say you can't use them because they're antiquity. Mm. So that could be, maybe they won't. But wow, can you imagine at least letting them use the very first initiation, some real sprinkle from 2,000 years ago when the temple still stood Put it in the first water. Say so we're going to save the rest for antiquity. It's too valuable historically. But we're going to drop it in to start the, the the new service and the new temple, and then you can use your other heifer. What an amazing symbolic celebration that would be in the nation of Israel. So really cool, and I think there may be some surprises on the horizon. Okay. All right, Pastor Mark, let's head to America in Fox News uh, that is reporting to us about a CDC study Yes, saying that uh, uh, there's been a Florida meningococcal outbreak among gay and bisexual men in Florida, and it's one of the worst in U.S. history. Yeah, Greg, we're seeing right now a lot of outbreaks. We're seeing what they're saying is the monkeypox. We're seeing this meningococcal thing you're talking about. We're seeing um, um, you know, uh, hepatitis in kids. 
um, multiple viral things. Lots and, of diseases. Well, and yes, and the concern, remember we talked about on the show that some of the scientists and doctors were saying, they said, look, and this was not an anti-vaxxer doctor. He was saying the concern about vaccinating the entire world at one time, everybody getting the shot all at once. He said the concern is it'll, it'll, it'll build up immunities together as a world, and therefore you're going to be, it'll weaken your actual immune system worldwide all at the same time. So if anything comes in that attacks the immune system that's outside of that, you're going to see everybody all over the world catching, their, their immunity system will be down, and so they're going to be catching all these new diseases. I think we're beginning to see that happen. Uh, Greg, we're seeing polio show up now. In the UK. And by the mm. way, maybe you don't know this, all our listeners, every person listening to me, you have polio right now um, in your intestines. Every human alive has the polio bacteria there, which you can't avoid it. It's there. Well, then why don't I get polio? Because your natural immune system as a child, when you were sneezing on each other and playing, you built up immunities to it, and it, now it will never kick into gear. However, if something is introduced into your body that weakens your immune system, polio can kick into gear and you can get polio. Now, I'm not trying to make you afraid. I'm saying mm-hmm. what they're saying is these natural immunities that we have, the shot may have actually broken down a lot of our natural immunities until we can build them back up. And it could be, you know, again, stuff like this popping up. And now I've been noticing in the news a multitude of all these just autoimmune things popping up. CDC, 24 cases of this in the United States now with six deaths among gay and bisexual. Now, it's interesting. The monkeypox in this one, apparently right now, only happening in the in the gay and bisexual community, which is horrible. I'm not saying that that's a horrible thing, no matter where it is. Um, you know, our hearts go out to, to those that are getting this. But right now, it's only spreading among those that are, again, um, outside of the norm, if you will, of where uh, the Scripture says we're to be. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, is investigating one of the worst outbreaks. Getting vaccinated against this disease is the best way to prevent it. serious illness, Dr. Jose R. Romero, uh, Romero director of the National Center for Immunization, said. Uh, because the outbreak is in Florida, the number of pride events being held across the state in coming weeks, it's important that the gay and bisexual men who live in Florida get vaccinated, and those traveling to Florida also do the same. So, again, I, you know, keep your eyes open. I think you're going to be seeing, we now see the polio in the U.K., we're seeing this happening in Florida, we're seeing the monkeypox, we're seeing the hepatitis in kids. I think what we're seeing is, even as we were warned, a tearing down of our immune system because of a worldwide, at the same moment, Giving the shot to everybody. It's interesting. The doctor who is pro-vaccine, when he was making his argument, he said, look, just do it in sections. Do it by countries. Do that country and then skip and do that country and just skip around doing countries and give a little time between them and you won't have this effect. But if you give everybody a shot, you will break down the world's immunity system all at one time and you'll open up a door for all these new things that normally weren't a threat to us to become a threat. And my concern is we're now beginning to see that happen. Uh, Israel 365 News passed a mark reporting that uh, the Biden administration tried to nominate an anti-Semitic ambassador. Please yes. explain. Again, this goes right in line with where the scripture talks about uh, anti-Semitism growing in the last days. He tried to pick this ambassador to Brazil, but the Senate blocked it. Uh, th- praise the Lord. Thankful to them. Um, again, it, it was a former Bush committee after a party line vote 11-11. I mean, it, 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 it barely got stopped. But nominated for the position in January, the ascension of the longtime diplomat and Democratic donor Elizabeth Frawley Bagley um, appeared um, uncontroversial until the Washington Free Beacon reported an interview from 1998. And in that interview, she said that the money was the reason the American lawmakers support Israel and the idea of moving the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem was stupid. The article galvanized Republican op- opposition against her. Now, 
Again, why do I bring this up? We see a general worldwide turning against the Jews. And we'll talk about that later, And the too. Bible said that would happen. Yeah. And we're seeing it, Greg. Now, at our level, in our government, at the highest levels, we're seeing those being put into position who hate Israel and hate the Jewish people. Understand, this is exactly what the Bible says will happen in the last days. And it needs to happen in order for that prophecy to be fulfilled yes. as well. So. Yes. Here comes the money. Here we go. Okay. How about some one-world economy? There you go. You need that little thing where the money bills are flying yes. behind you. A little machine, Greg. Shooting money. And we do have that on the video. Yes. Money's just flying great. Let me read this right now. Yo, yo. Yeah. It, it, oh, oh. Next time, bring me a stack of cash, and I'll just be like this. Uh. I'll make it rain. Uh. Money. Yeah. Uh, but we don't need money anymore. We just have we have our faces, past Mark. This, according to CBS News, MasterCard yes. wants to let you buy stuff with your face. You know, I've tried that, but if you put the money in your mouth, it is nasty. Yeah. I mean, you know where that money's been. You don't know. And you try to hold it like with your cheek. It doesn't work well. So I just, But now as I read it, I understand there was not literally buying it with your face. Or, is they, or they see your face and it's like, no, you owe us money. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. anyway, but, but look what it says here. It says, leave your plastic at home. All you need to make purchases is the new pilot program for MasterCard card is your face to buy something simply smile or wave at the camera equipped with a biometric review you, you better be careful that you're not just smiling at the guy behind the counter you may buy stuff you don't want uh it tells <laughs> the advantage of not having to pull out your pocketbook for, oh congratulations everything looks you good i'll take one of everything car. i didn't buy that car yes you smiled at me mastercard's biometric checkout that's, a, that's some bad ai right <laughs> yes, there yes biometric checkout program uh, mastercards it uses the same kind of technology that allows the apple iphone to steal everything about your life and give it to the government now i added that last part uh, that allows Apple iPhone owners to unlock their devices uh, with their face or fingerprints. Uh, it's designed for use with retailers. Individuals who wish to test technology must first enroll in the program in stores throughout an app at home. Now, how does this play? Is it Mark, how does that play? Well, Revelation 13, the mark of the beast. It's not a facial recognition thing, but this again is that what we're doing. We're getting steps closer using that technology where we're going to be ready to move into the mark of the beast on our hand or on our forehead. Yeah, and that's really the issue is the transition of not having a physical device that you're holding. Yeah, but the physical device is or the device is now in you yeah. to make the transaction. But you know, it's funny. I think about how many people love to hold their phones. It's going to take a whole generation to get used to walking out of the house without having that phone and realize they've got it on. They won't even like that. It's like, but I think like, like Tracy, she can't stand to use earphones or things like, I love having hands free. Mm-hmm. And I think it, not just, I'm going to say all women, but it seems a lot of women, they'd rather hold that phone and turn their neck crooked and walk around all day, you know, doing what they're doing with their neck crooked. And I tell you, you know, you can have a straight neck and use your hands <laughs> and do all this kind of stuff. Nope, nope. I want my phone. I want my phone. I'm like, okay, I don't get it. But maybe she think, just doesn't like things in her ear. Yeah, but I maybe wonder, she I mean, get her like the like the AirPod Maxes. I, yeah, but if your phone's in your hand, maybe they'll walk around with their hand on their shoulder and their head down in their hand. Yeah, you know that'll kind of look nice for the Olin Mills pictures. Yes. Everybody, 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 everybody for those of for people are yeah, like, what's Olin Mills? Everybody, listen to your phone and smile. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. That's good. All right. Why can't we be friends? We're still asking that question. Yes. Uh, by the way, I will get to listener questions at the end today. Okay, that's okay? fine. That's fine. I want to make sure we've got time to get to our articles. Yes. Uh, this is from the Times of Israel. In Germany, over 200... Uh, I'm sorry, not over uh, 27. Over 2,700 anti-semitic incidents have been reported yeah. in 2021 see, no, so we just see it's it's a global issue it's not it just is. america it's a global issue greg but there's two things to point out it's global and it's increasing i know we talk about the persecution of the jews a lot so you might think well you guys you talked about that a couple of weeks ago well here's the thing 
Look at the number. It's one thing to say we talked about it, but we have to point out it's global, which, by the way, in the last days, he said it'll be global contractions. That's how we know we're in the last days. And the number, 2,700, I mean, my goodness, that's in one year. Berlin's commissioner on anti-Jewish racism says dark figures, including 63 attacks, are frightening. Right-wing extremists behind 17% of the incidents, a group tracking anti- yeah, I know. A group tracking and skinhead type things, people, I think. A group tracking anti-Semitism in Germany said at Tuesday it documented more than 2,700 incidents in the country last year, including 63 attacks and six cases of extreme violence. Now, let me say this. That's seem, almost seven and a half incidents yeah, a day. They seem to be leading the way, Greg. But let me, I want to yeah. bring up something to our listeners to keep on, you know, in your mind again. Even as we don't know who the Antichrist is, and we never try to say, uh, we don't know where Satan's throne is today or if he has a headquarters. But back in the days of the new ch- early church and Revelation, he had a headquarters and he had a home region. Jesus reveals that to us in the seven churches. He said in Pergamos where Satan's throne is. Mm. So he revealed there's a place that he set up camp. And he worked from there. And, and, and the, the, uh, the Pergamos altar was an altar of Zeus. And we've talked about the pantheon, the Greek pantheon. The number one god was Zeus, which would again embody Satan. He's the number one fallen angel. And I do believe there's something spiritual and demonic behind all the, the Greek pantheon. I believe these are fallen angels who have created these gods, I believe, so people will worship them. And so they, you know, they may not say, I'm going to worship an, an angel, but they'll say, I'll worship Zeus, I'll worship this, I'll worship that. And so, and I think if that's the case, either way, I think in the embodiment we see where Satan's throne was, was Zeus there at that altar in Pergamos. Now get this. Hitler was very spiritual. He hated the Jews, as we know, and Hitler wanted that altar. He wanted the altar of Pergamos, the altar of Zeus. Hmm. So Hitler, during World War II, sent his men to go dismantle it. They did. They brought the entire altar from Pergamos, of Zeus, back to Berlin, and they rebuilt it where it stands today and he wanted it there as a symbol of his authority and some spiritual backing as he went to kill all the jews interesting i believe very possibly when i see what's coming out of germany all the weirdness we're seeing again even with you know this whole german klaus schwab and the world looking up for him yeah. in german you know yeah. uh the german persecution of the jews now rising again it could just be a regional demon We've talked about how regions have demons. It tells us that in Daniel chapter 9. Could be a regional demon that's just rearing his ugly head again because God's allowing him to, just like he did back in the days of Hitler. It's that same demon who stirred Hitler now stirring these guys today. That may be all it is. But it might also be that Satan has taken up, this is going to be the new place of my throne, and he even had his old place of his throne literally moved piece by piece to Berlin, where it's now in a museum. But get this. When a lot of people don't realize this, Greg, and I didn't know this till recently, it's now in a museum. But before they moved it to a museum or built a museum around it, I'm not sure which of the two happened. He said that when he put up the, the, the altar, it's this massive thing, you know, with had steps and different levels and all that. That's where he did all his speeches. When you see there, he's shaking his hand, his head's doing this, and he's talking about killing the Jews, taking over the world. He's on the altar of Pergamos. He's on Zeus's altar Interesting. Make, making those speeches. He wanted that spiritual backing and, and background. That's why I believe Satan was involved and may very well have moved his throne to Berlin. Again, we don't know. You tend to know it's got to be North Korea. It's got to be China. You know, it's got to be whatever. Maybe, maybe. But remember, it's not always the darkest looking place where Satan is. Right. He is an angel of light. And so, uh, you know, I just find that intriguing. That's nothing. Again, something just to kind of extra points. Extra and, and where and where again, when Jesus was referring to Pergamos, where again? seven churches. 
when he talks to the Church of Pergamos. But but where geographically is that again? Oh, oh, these are all in Asia Minor. In Asia, uh, yeah, which today would be modern day Turkey. Okay, modern day Turkey. Just just interesting. Yeah. I'm just wondering, you know, how close it is to Syria. I think right of, around the corner. I think, yeah. I just, I just think of the uh, go to Turkey uh, and take a right. Oh, what's that? What's that cave? Or the that's capital? Got the, what's what's that cave that's got the hole where they said that the? Um, oh yeah, Homs. Is it H O M Homs? Is it Homs? Homs? It's in Homs, Homs, Syria, where that cave they said that is open, where they believe the twelfth Imam's going to come out. Yeah, they're anyway. ruler of the world. Yeah, anyway, just but it interesting. Is, yeah, if you go to the capital of Turkey and take a right. Head down toward Jerusalem, where you, you you run into Syria up there in that upper area, which is now uh, or Assyria, and which is now yeah. Syria today. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sure there will be more on that. Very interesting. Very interesting yes. as well. All right. Let's get to some weird stuff before we get to our listener questions. Yes. Uh, this is from the Washington Times. Amazon's Alexa is set to let you talk with dead relatives. You know. Uh, Amazon is taking over every business sector. Yeah. Now, what are the palm readers and yeah. the seance people, what are they going to do? I don't know. I don't know. It's like Alexa's putting them out of business. They're putting them out. Amazon's putting everyone out of business. Yes. Yeah. And, and Madam Alexa, all you have to say is, is Madam Alexa. Have, have, grandma, have grandma speak to me. <laughs> I'm not kidding, Greg. What they're doing is, let me read some of this and I'll give you, I didn't put the yeah. whole article here, but I'll share a little bit more. It says, you'll soon be able to communicate with the voices of your deceased loved ones. Thanks to a new feature in Amazon's Alexa. And you know, say, oh, that's just kind of a fun or trying to miss, or, I mean, encourage somebody. But this gets weird. I'm not saying, now, now, your loved ones can't talk to you. They're dead. They can't talk to you. But I believe the demonic realm could get involved in this. Uh, Rohit Prasad, the head scientist for Alexa AI, demonstrated the technology at Amazon's annual Mars conference Wednesday in Las Vegas. The demonstration video showed a young boy reading The Wizard of Oz before asking Alexa to have his grandmother finish reading the book to him. Now, here's what Alexa does. If you use it in your household or your relatives use it, it records your voice. And then when they die, it'll take their voice recording, put the words together by by AI, and answer you in grandma's voice when you say, Alexa, I want to talk to grandma. And grandma's talking to you from Alexa. That is just creepy. It's really creepy. Um, and, you know, it's kind of like, and you kind of see some people. Some people might find that comforting. You know, I, so let me just say, some people, like they'll save voicemails or, you know, things that from from relative, it's their last known recording. Right. They can play it back so they can hear their voice. Right. They might, some people might like well, that. Well, but it goes overboard. You know, I'm at Wasabi, and a guy's got Alexa across from him with his own dish there, and they're talking back and forth. I think it goes too far. <laughs> and, I, you know, when I see that kind of stuff, okay, let's reel this thing in, and let's get real. Yes. Uh, but either way, so <laughs> anyway, it's it's just, again, it's getting weird. It's getting creepy. And, and, and Greg, the enemy's getting just more and more blatant. It's yes. very blatant. This, this is not hidden anymore. We talked about things that used to be in the closet are now not only public, but we take pride of them in the streets. Yeah. And so, you know, this is where a nation begins to head toward the judgment yeah. of God. It's where it goes from recognizing we should be ashamed to not only not being ashamed, yeah. but then exalting it as something great. Well, and you had mentioned when we were talking before the show about Sodom and Gomorrah is it wasn't just the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah that brought on God's judgment. Right. But it was the, the pride, pride in your right. sin. That's right. That's what God said. It wasn't just sodomy that he yeah. judged them for. It was, and sexual morality, it was because they were proud of it. And and God judged them. And I look at our nation today, we're, we're flaunting our sin, and we're saying we're proud of it. It's crossing all barriers. 
And we're basically da- challenging God. We're daring God judge us. We dare you. I mean, yeah. and we're heading toward judgment. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Yeah. It's not about not loving people. It's about saying, look, we're asking God to, to judge us. You know, one quick thing. I talked about the Wizard of Oz there. This has nothing to do with anything, but I've always thought a great name for these guys that do these, these ball games and they're trying to, you know, the, who's going to win? The Wizard of Oz. Do we have a guy like that out there? Hmm. You know, I don't know. I'd have that to That would look. be great for but somebody to great, use. That you can take handle. that and you'll make millions on it and I'll still yeah. be broke. Yes, you will. But either way, just had to say that. <laughs> All right, our last story uh, for the day, Pastor Mark. This comes from Forbes. Have we finally found evidence for a parallel universe? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It talks about in the Antarctica, they have found, they don't tell what the evidence is. Uh, they do give some kind of scientific things that are too much for me to read and get into. But they just say they think they found evidence for a, a, an alternative universe. Now, what does that mean? They believe there's something here no, like... alternative or parallel? Well, parallel. Okay. I'm sorry, parallel. That's going on right alongside us. We just can't see it. And, you know, there have been those that have, have speculated on that for years, Greg, believing that maybe heaven's like that. That right now, when it talks about we're surrounded by such, such a kind of witnesses, those who kind of adhere to that type of mindset would say, right now, we're walking in heaven. We just don't know it. Heaven's all around us. All the dead saints are around us. The, the, the live saints that are in now and they're not in these bodies. Uh, the Lord, everybody's around us, and we just simply step into it when we die. I don't know exactly how. We don't see that in Scripture. But it is interesting that they are at least acknowledging their, they believe they found the evidence there's something beyond the natural realm where, where, where beings live or whatever. And I don't know if they're tapping into something spiritual there or not, but very interesting, goes under weird stuff, something to keep an eye on and something to make our listeners aware of. Yes. And I'm sure more will come of it if there is anything to it. Yes. As well. And yes. like all the UFO stuff as well. Yes. Okay. Let's get into a couple of listener questions as and don't we check wrap out. up our show. Don't check out. These are good questions. I'm telling our listeners, our listeners, oh, yeah, don't, don't check yeah, out don't check out. Yeah, the show's not over. The show's these not are good over. good questions. That's right. They are. <laughs> uh, our first question comes from Jill, who enjoys Signs of the Times out in 10 Mile, Tennessee. Don't remember where 10 Mile is, but it's... About 10 miles from here, I think. Is it? Okay. <laughs> that was good. I set you up for that. It's yeah. like, you know, this is like T-ball. <laughs> you know, I just, I just put it right up on the thing. It's real easy. Don't even have to pitch it to you. Yeah, you're my Ed McMahon. I've always yes. said that. Okay, I have heard, this is Jill, not myself. I have heard from numerous sources over the past few months a belief being taught that the rapture will not occur for at least 100 years. Where biblically are they getting this idea? I believe it is a deception of Satan designed perhaps to keep us from being watchful as Jesus commanded, perhaps so we will not be as careful in how we are living, but we know Jesus said no one knows the day or the hour of his return, not even the sun, uh, or not not even the sun. Uh, so where is this ideology coming from? Yeah, you know, honestly, I really don't know. I've, I've done some, some brief research on this. I've never heard this. Let me just say this. You're not going to find this anywhere in the Bible, but I'm going to give you what the Bible does say. But Greg, it's interesting. If you just do a quick Google on this, you have one side here that calls themselves, you know, the true gospel, and maybe they're going to refute it. So I want to be careful. I don't want to judge them. I haven't read it, but it says no rapture for 300 years. Another one, rapture a thousand years away, question mark. Um, you know, and then you, so, so you have all these people that, that, that postulate and they come up with their theories i don't know where they're getting that i've never heard well that. if they're saying if they're saying the rapture's a thousand years away they sound like they're post-trib maybe but greg here's the warning the lord gave us here's what look the lord made clear all through the gospels watch watch be ready i can come at any moment watch 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 he didn't say there's going to be something matter of fact listen to what he said and this is out of matthew twenty four forty six. He says, blessed is the servant whom his master, when he does come, will find him so serving his master. 
Verse 47, assuredly I say to you, he'll make him ruler over all his goods. So when I come back and you're being faithful to serve me, I'm going to make you ruler over my household. You're going to get reward in heaven. He says, but if that evil servant says in his heart, my master's delaying is coming. And I would add mm. for a hundred years and begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him at an hour when he's not aware and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Look, Anybody that says that anything can delay the Lord's coming, Jesus says here, that's a wicked servant. Mm. I'm not saying they're not saved. I'm not saying they're not believers. I'm saying Jesus, his own word said, if you're saying that I'm delaying my coming, that makes you a wicked servant. You're a servant, but you're being right now wicked. You're telling the people they have more time, mm. that they don't have to worry, that I may not come back yet. Go ahead and live in your... Again, if, if you have that mindset, why not go ahead and live in sin a little exactly. bit longer? Hey, yeah. Man, i got got 100 years. Even, Greg, look, even for those who believe the rapture is at the end of the seven years, if you really believe that, once the, once the Antichrist comes, you can count the days down. You know, it's 2,520 days. Daniel gives us the exact number of days. Revelation does too. Now, if you know that... You could live in sin for the next six years, right to the very end, and then now repent and just live how you want. It 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 breeds kind of an unholiness. It leads yeah. to a sense of you know I'm delaying. So the Lord said, no, 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 no. You need to be watching. Always watch. Always watch. Always watch. Do never. He said, never say I'm delaying my coming, and don't listen to anybody that says I'm delaying my coming. So whoever yeah. this is that's saying it, do not listen to them. That is unscriptural, unbiblical, and goes directly against the Word of God, and even comes with a warning from Jesus Christ in Matthew 24 verses 46 through 48. Okay, Pastor Mark, two minutes, and our last question do comes it. from Neil. Uh, where he is pitting Matthew twenty four twelve against Acts two seventeen. Yeah. Uh, I think he says here that he's listening to a come to the table episode, but I don't believe this was on come to the table, uh, which is your daily radio program. I'm thinking you might have spoken about this last Sunday. Okay. Uh, Pastor Mark mentioned from Matthew twenty four twelve that because of lawlessness increasing, the love of many will, will grow cold. I can see that happening in cold, hard reality right now. But Acts 2.17 proclaims, And it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. It would certainly be exhilarating to experience the latter. I know that God does not make mistakes, and His Word is true, but how does one rationalize these two verses on a specific timeline? If so, what is it? If not, what is the explanation? Again, great question. Again, the lawlessness abounding is specifically said to be, it'll suddenly increase dramatically at the very end. So lawlessness has always been there, but it's going to increase dramatically. So Which that's, we're seeing. Yes, that's going to increase. We're watching it happen. As far as pouring out on all flesh, I think you're confusing thinking that God's going to just, on every person on the earth in a moment of time, just pour his spirit out. That's not what he's saying. Remember, when it talks about pouring his flesh in the last days, the last days began at the cross. Biblically, when Jesus died on the cross, Paul said the last days had begun. So what he's saying is, once the cross is done... I will pour out my spirit and make it available to all flesh, which happened at Pentecost. What, 50 days later, he poured out his spirit on all flesh. So it literally was fulfilled as a group in that moment. But then now historically over time, he still pours out his spirit on all flesh that will receive him and then will accept him. And the reason I know that's the interpretation is because that's what God did. He said, we know we're in the last days after the cross. 
He poured out his spirit. And so what it means is God's spirit is now available to everyone who wants it poured out on them, who receives it. But it's not saying that everyone's going to get the spirit poured out on them, Mm. such as even wicked people, because that's not what he's talking about. And the Bible's very clear that will not happen. So that's how we know that's the proper interpretation. Okay, that's great. Well, uh, Jill and Neil, thank you for your questions. Jill and and Neil. Jill and Neil. Neil and Jill. Yeah, rhyme. Not related. Yeah, that's all right. But that's didn't mean to do that. Yeah. That's great, though. But thanks for picking Jill up. Jill and Neil. No, it's good. Okay. Well, if you have a question like them, yes, then just reach out to us yes. at thewaymedia.net or the Way Media app. You'll see under Signs of the Times where you can submit your question to Pastor Mark so he can answer it on our next broadcast and our next podcast. Uh, we hope you have a great holiday weekend celebrating Amen. our freedom Amen. that we enjoy and especially your freedom in Jesus Christ because Amen. that Amen. is eternal and no law can overturn that Amen. freedom. Amen. And we will see you back here next Friday as we continue to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's word as signs of the times. Oh, the signs.